Yes, sir. Kyle and DJ on the mic. Gambling Feud. Partner with Coda Sports Gambling Network. Hitting bets. Hitting checks. Hitting checks. Hitting necks. I bet. Let's hit some bets. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, like I'm a pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers, locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, like I'm a pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers. Welcome, everyone, to the Gambling Feud podcast presented by the Coda Sports Gambling Network. We are on episode 51. As always, the Gambling Feud podcast is sponsored by the Bet Coda Sportsbook. We've got 51 episodes in us. We're going to keep on rolling. Let's get started with a great episode. My name is Kyle Comish. You can find me on Twitter at Comdog. And joining me, as always, for 51 episodes is my cousin and co-host. Find him on Twitter at DJ Low 4422 DJ Luch. DJ, how are we doing today? I don't know if that sound bite tells you anything, but... It's been a long work week, and it's only Tuesday, so back in the beer. Not not drinking uh, Blue Moons this week. I'm just just sticking to Bush Light, but you know, it's a wild time. You know, we got the the uh, the NBA playoffs coming up. We got the Stanley Cup playoffs coming up. Uh, so I know soccer's got a lot going on, and then the end of March Madness as well. You know, will Duke win it? Will they won't? I mean, there's just so much going on, and guess what? Baseball's starting on uh, the 31st, I believe, so I'm. it's a good time. I'm excited. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know how much work I'm going to be getting done because I'm going to be watching baseball all day, but it'll be a fun time for sure. Absolutely. This is a, this is a great time where there's like just so much stuff going on outside of, outside of the NFL and college football. Just there's so much stuff going on right now. Like if you don't have sports on your TV, you are absolutely missing out because, yeah, we got final four this weekend i think baseball starts the 7th of april i thought they said i thought baseball started the 31st well we probably should figure this out yeah i'll fact check while you tell recap everything else that's going on yeah for sure so while dj's fact checking us we're doing on-air fact checking that's the kind of podcast we are we like to get things right all the time but uh just really really quick elite elite eight uh elite eight matchups Really, really crazy week for college basketball. Villanova is representing the South region after beating Houston by a score of 50 to 44. Uh, Coach K's uh, final run, which everyone's been talking about, that's continuing. They beat Arkansas 70, 78 to 69. And then Kansas destroyed Miami. I mean, 76 to 50. People said from the beginning that Miami probably had the easiest path or Kansas, excuse me, had the easiest pathway to the final four. They proved that they've been a force all tournament long. So I, so uh, Kansas grows there and then North Carolina representing the East region beating the Cinderella team, DJ, the 15 seed St. Peter's 69 to 49. Obviously I got North Carolina, so I'm rooting for them. So just for those four games, elite eight recap, even sweet 16, stuff like that, DJ, just overall thoughts. It's been a wild, another wild tournament. Uh, all March Madness tournaments seem to be this way. And, you know, you, you never know what's going to be the the crazy game. The thing I've noticed is the unders, man. The unders have been just hitting 
I mean, teams are struggling to put up over 100 points sometimes. It's been the one thing I've noticed about the tournament where I'm like, I don't know if the defenses are that great or if we're just not enough star power. I, I really don't know what it is, if maybe super seniors have an effect. But yeah, the unders have been the move, but still an amazing tournament. But what are the odds that we have four of the most, not basic, but been there teams? Nova's been there a ton. Kansas has been there a ton. UNC, Duke. I mean, it's kind of lame in that aspect of like, either you like these teams, or you hate these teams. I feel like, uh, I feel like if you like Kansas, you like them, you know, same with Duke, same with North. like, you don't like any of these teams uh, otherwise. And so I think that part of it, you know, there's no true Cinderella, like North Carolina technically, but they're North Carolina. They're, they're kind of a dynasty. So that part kind of stinks, but I, these games are going to be interesting. That Duke game, the Villanova, Kansas game is going to be insane. I, I'm excited for this final four. I think they're, you know, the spreads are like four and a half on both of them. So the games are going to be relatively competitive. Uh, and I'm excited to see what North Carolina has got against Duke. I'll be off to throw on my old, my North Carolina Jersey, put, throw on the whole fit, maybe put a headman on snap a pick. Who knows? I love it. Yeah. Uh, so my overall thoughts, first of all, St. Peter's, man, are they the best Cinderella team ever? People have been people have been talking about like a 15 seed. Like we've seen 15 seeds go to the Sweet 16 twice now, but going past the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight is sensational. And then obviously they run into they have the kind of the the rookie first time been there mentality, got kind of got into a buzzsaw with North Carolina, but still what a heck of a run like that. But in my opinion, we're all idiots. Every person that filled out a bracket is an idiot. How did we not predict for Coach K's final year that it was going to be a Duke, North Carolina Final Four? We're all a bunch of idiots. And the last thing I'll say is, like you said, DJ, like it's four blue buds in the Final Four. I think they said it on part of my take. I was listening to that the other day, that it's basically uh, a blue bud. In, the Final Four is the blue blood invitational, and Kentucky and UCLA weren't invited. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. That's spot on. Uh, yeah, and St. Pete's, Pete's probably the best Cinderella team. Maybe you could count an 11 seed that made it to the Final Four, but I don't think that's as impressive as a 15 seed making it to the Elite Eight. Uh, so, yeah, St. Pete's for sure. Um, what was the other point I had? Yeah, oh, the Duke thing. Yeah. If How did we not know this, Kyle? Like, we should have known that it had to be Duke versus North. Like, when I think about it, I'm just like, why did I ever doubt myself? Like, I, yeah, I was very frustrated. Um, obviously, his farewell tour is going to end with him going to the Final Four and hopefully losing, but we'll see about that. But if uh, it's rigged at all, Duke's winning for sure, and then they're winning the next one. But, yeah, it's frustrating a little bit looking back at it. But that's how looking, it always Looking is. back at it, you think about it, it was always Duke in North Carolina, and just we didn't we didn't ever see it coming. And uh, – we didn't I see the signs. It. it was the signs. It was yeah. always North Carolina. <laughs> but I'm rooting so, so hard for – that's what she said. <laughs> Just, nice. Uh, thank you. Um, for, for Coach K to lose and not win a national championship. Because if you know damn well if Coach K wins a national championship on a farewell tour, it's going to be blown up on the media for months. And I don't want to see that. Yeah, no, spot on. I 100% agree. It's like he, he's a great coach. I just don't remember any other coach being this big of uh, attention-seeking person. Like 
spotlight needs to be on me at all times. And so now it's just getting to the point where it's like, I, I'm done with, I, I don't want to see the spotlight on you anymore. Uh, let's move on. You're retiring. Cool. I, I used to respect John Shire. So I'm excited to see what he's got. Uh, so yeah, I, I just want to move on with this season. He's definitely respect. I, I agree with you. He's like going from coach K to Shire who Shire's way, way, way more respectable. Like love the heck out of it. Like people like even like with at North Carolina, like people who didn't like North Carolina, didn't like Roy Williams. Then you go to Hubert Davis. It's hard to dislike Hubert Davis. hundred percent agree. That's a great analogy right there, Kyle. Thank you, sir. Uh, so really quick, DJ, before we dive into the show. So, MLB, did you figure out uh, when it actually starts? Uh, yeah, the you were right, the 7th. Originally, it was going to start the 31st, but with the whole delays and stuff, they bumped it back to the 7th. Gotcha, okay. So you, you were right, but I was technically not 100% wrong. I'm not no, taking no, 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 no. <laughs> We were both not, right. I'm, you were more right. <laughs> I'm not the type of guy to be like, I was right, you were wrong, ha, 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 ha. No, <laughs> I, I just, I yeah. Okay, so April 7th, so baseball starting in one week here, so – I'm a pretty big baseball guy. DJ is way bigger a baseball guy than myself. So um, next week, we're actually not going to have one big show. We're going to have six mini shows. And DJ, why don't you talk a little bit about it? what's going to be happening? Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of did our baseball preview, but it was more betting oriented on who's going to win the division, World Series odds, stuff like that. This is going to be more of an in-depth analysis of each division. Uh, so we'll start, you know, at the AL East and we'll go through and just break down each team and our goal here is just to give them a grade for their hitting, maybe their defense, uh, and then pitching, and then potential. I think potential is big. Uh, so we're just going to go through and kind of break down each team more in depth and more discuss just the team layout, uh, and then, you know, sum up the division as a whole. And so each division will be a small, like, 15, 25-minute episode, 30 minutes max. I'm hoping to keep it around 20 minutes, though. And yeah, we'll just discuss kind of, like I said, the players, you know, what, what the team has going for them, what their prospects are looking like, what their farm systems looking like. Um, and then just give them an overall grade at the end. Uh, and that way, you know, if you don't know a ton about baseball or if you want to learn more, we'll have kind of an in-depth analysis and we'll be throwing out a lot of players' names and just a lot of things that are just secondhand to us, but maybe completely new to someone who doesn't know a ton about baseball. So I think it'll be very informative. And if you're trying to impress somebody with your baseball knowledge, uh, I definitely think it's worth a listen because uh, you'll be able to, you know, talk more baseball and name drop a lot more guys that you didn't even know existed beforehand. You know, you'd be like, hey, that Eloy Jimenez has got a lot of potential. And whoever's listening to you, if they know baseball, they're like, wow, this guy, you know, he actually kind of knows his stuff. So I think it'll be a, just a fun way to, cover some baseball content i don't know how much good content there is uh you know you have your basic mlb stuff everyone knows espn's a joke so yeah i'm excited to kind of dive into it and it should be fun yeah it's it's just really tough to get like good baseball content out there because you think like all the big time like podcast streaming sites stuff like, like barstool has like a couple baseball ones not nearly as popular as any of their other ones and just various like betting sites have baseball podcasts. Again, not nearly as popular as the other one. Baseball is such a niche market and a niche listening group that it's hard to get good content and good consistent like productivity out of it. But we're going to try our best here. And uh, we, we're bringing on a guest next week as well, DJ. Is that correct? 
Yeah, we'll try and get old uh, Alex Long on here because he knows just about as much, if not more, than me. Uh, so he'll provide some good insights as well. And I think just with all three of us kind of bouncing, you know, our knowledge is off each other, we can really kind of break down each team. And like you said, baseball is such a niche market. Like, it's not like football where you can not really follow it, but watch games. Like, baseball is either something where you watch it or you don't. There's no, there's nobody that doesn't like like baseball that watches it like you're not like oh the sunday night game's on i gotta watch it no that just doesn't happen whereas football it's like oh this game's on like i'm gonna watch it just because that's what everyone else does right so yeah baseball's not really like that at all so this is yeah this is definitely designed for baseball fans people that like baseball and like i said i I think it's very informational uh it'll have a ton of ton of information jam-packed with stats maybe at uh, stats a little too much but just break down uh and yeah we'll see it'll be nice though because you you don't have to listen to the whole thing at once you can just listen to like let's learn about the al east today or let's learn about the nl east today and so you can learn about each division uh, and kind of how everyone stacks up against each other because at the end of the day you got to be the best in your division or you have to compete in your division so i think you know speaking divisional is the most important uh, because that's who you're going to be facing the next 25 plus you like the next how many every years is going to be all divisional matchups. Uh, and so I think it's important when you're talking about teams to address how they are in their division, because you'll see when the Dodgers were stacking up on talent, guess what the Padres had to do? They had to stack up on talent to match. And so you'll see a lot of that stuff. Whereas you see your cheaper divisions. I feel like the, the Cubs, the NL Central has been relatively cheap. Same with the AL Central. Uh, so some of it, your coasts are a lot more, they're willing to shell out money, uh, but not, not the central division. It's kind of funny, but yeah, it should be fun. And I'm excited. I'm ve- I'm actually hyped. Uh, I love baseball. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, again, no big show next week. We're going to have six mini shows. Be sure to check those out. But uh, DJ, we got a jam packed show ahead. We got a really, really awesome guest picker, a well-known guest picker. He's actually our very first, three-time guest picker on the show so we're really looking forward to that but uh let's get started with that's a take so that's a take is me and dj going on the internet going in um just going with our friends whoever finding a take that we find really interesting and something that we're going to discuss so i'll start off dj so i don't follow him it just showed up on my timeline so stephen a smith was talking about the miami heat and their chance for the postseason. His quote was, the Miami Heat are good enough to go to the finals and bad enough to get bounced in the first round. What are your thoughts about that, DJ? I I mean, I think it depends on their matchup. If they're matching up against a far inferior team in the first round, they have no chance of getting bounced. Like, they're just so defensive-oriented, and they have a ton of playoff experience. But the thing is, the Brooklyn Nets are potentially going to be an eight seed. So if Miami ends up as the one seed and they get Brooklyn Nets, they very well could get bounced in the first round. Uh, the Nets being a potential eight seed this season has really, I mean, they, they would, they will hands down if they are the eight seed be the greatest eight seed of all time. It won't 100%. even be, it won't even be a debate. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's tough, but I, I, I think with their defensive rotations and their, you know, ability to scheme, and they have just enough superpower in Jimmy Butler, uh, Kyle Lowry, and Bam that I think they could definitely make it to the finals. And I definitely could see them getting bounced. So I hate to say it, but Stephen A. Smith is kind of right here. And 
pains me to say it, but yeah, that's where I, I stand on this issue, I guess. Yep. I'm, I'm the same way. It, there, there's, there's certain things in life that like really get to your core and really get to like hating yourself and saying Stephen A. Smith has a pretty decent take. That's one of them, but he makes, <laughs> he makes a really good point here. I mean, they have, they have guys who are like in the finals and the bubble still on the team. Uh, you know, they got a really, really solid uh, starting lineup with Butler, Adebayo and Lowry. You know, you got Duncan Robinson coming off the bench, Tyler Harrow coming off the bench. Uh, Victor Oladipo has been hurt for, a few games this season, but when he's back, that's another extra element to it. They have the talent put together and they have the veteran leadership absolutely to get to the finals, but they also have guys who are going to shoot themselves out of the game. Like Jimmy Butler is probably one of the biggest, the biggest uh, villains in the fact that like he can win you games, but he can lose your games. He is the biggest one to shoot himself into a game or shoot himself out of a game. And, you know, um, Duncan Robinson, when he comes to the bench, exact same way. Tyler Harrell, exact same way. They're the type of guys where I'm off, I'm going to keep shooting until I'm on. And that could get you bounced in the first round if you play a good enough good enough team. So, again, really, really hate to say it. I really like the Miami Heat. Uh, I think they do have potential to go to the finals. I think they can beat, you know, like the top teams in the, in the East, like the 76ers or the Celtics. I think they have potential to do that because – they have the veteran leadership from the bubble team. They also have a very, very veteran and coach who understands it in Eric Spolstra. So I hate to say it, but Stephen A. Smith does make a good point here. Yeah. Alrighty. So for mine, uh, there's a guy on Twitter. His name is Trill Withers. He has like 150K followers, maybe 160K. Um, and he posted his tier list for guards. So basically you have your superstar guards like Luca, John Morant, Steph Curry, and then you have your, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, maybe tier five. I don't know. I think he labels them something else like A, B, C. Nonetheless, he had Marcus Smart as a tier three guard um, along some questionable guys. And then he had guys above him that like Lonzo Ball was above him. Uh, Halliburton was above him. Uh, there's a couple others. So, uh, yeah, just thoughts on is Marcus Smart a tier three? So uh, it's really tier four because you have superstars one tier, then tier A, then tier B, then tier C. So he's technically tier four. But, yeah, thoughts on that. He had Halliburton and Lonzo Ball above him? Yep. And so I was asking a guy in my office is very, you know, he knows the NBA very well. I was asking him his thoughts on it. And – so then he's like, well, what is this based on? And then we looked at it and it said it's based on this season and the, the next potential for next season or something like that. So it's just like, I, I don't know how that, yeah, it, how those two are ahead of him when Lonzo hasn't played all season is beyond me, but yeah. But anyway, carry on. So, okay. I just wanted a clarification on that. Cause that seemed kind of crazy to me, but um, you know, you look at guys that are like very, very important to their team you know you think of like like Luca with the Mavericks you you look at like um Giannis with the Bucks Marcus Smart whatever team he's on is the most valuable if when he is on the court like I think his his plus minus on the court and off the court is so substantially there's such a substantial gap it's unbelievable so I when you have a guy that valuable 
and you have him as a tier three, that's kind of crazy to me, especially for the fact that, in my opinion, he's probably a top 20 or 25 guard in the league. So, you know, you put like maybe 10 in the top and 10 in the second. So I can see him being like a tier, like if you're going to go superstar tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, I can see him being like a tier one or a tier two. He's not a tier three guard by any means. And you're putting guys like Halliburton and Lonzo who have proved nothing in the league thus far. Like Halliburton, I'm not saying this because he's an Iowa State guy, but I'm being serious. Halliburton has the potential to be really, really good. He absolutely does. But he hasn't proved enough to tell me that he's better than Marcus Smart. Like there's no chance. And Marcus Smart, like you think of like, really really like solid defenders that like irritate you You know you got you got you got to throw marcus smart in there you know you throw it to him patrick beverly guys like that that just really really bother you marcus smart does so much for his team defensively that he he's not a tier three guard in my opinion if you're gonna go based on a five-tier system a superstar being your top he's at his his floor is a tier two but he has the potential to be a tier one guard, hundred percent. So I disagree with Trill Withers. I love Trill Withers, by the way. He's a very, very good follow, and I do love him. But I, I disagree with this take here. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think uh, Marcus Smart has been one of the most uh, disrespected and underrated players in the league. I think, debatably, he is one of the best defenders of all time. Uh, he can guard one through five, and he always hustles and he always brings energy. Uh, saying that. I do think there's like a ceiling to him. Like you said, tier one would be his highest ceiling. Um, but I think his floor is tier tier two or tier B, whatever they call it. And it's just for the first time, I've been calling for Marcus Mark to be DPOI for so long, just because he's so good. And uh, my buddy, Alex Long, right before I came on here, showed me that the lead candidate for DPOI this year, based on betting odds, is Marcus Smart. He's plus 160 right now. So I I was incredibly happy. Uh, it's He's deserved it. Guards don't ever win it. And he's one of the only guards since, uh, who was it, Gary Payton maybe that won it last, I do believe. Um, so, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been that long since the guards won it. It's always wow, been centers okay. like Dwight Howard, Rudy Gobert. I don't know, guys like huh. that. Okay. So yeah, yeah. No, it's been a minute since the guards won it. But if any guard should win it, it should be Marcus Smart. I mean, when you want to talk about, so offensively, he's probably, you know, tier C, maybe even worse, maybe even tier D. But defensively, he's superstar. Like, he's hands down either one or two for best guard defender in the league. And he's one of the few guards that can guard one through five. Well, if you want to tell me that he can't guard one through five, I have a clip of him forcing Joel Embiid to take a fadeaway, which on a guard doesn't make any sense. You know, a center should go with a power move. A fadeaway is when someone can block you. And then, and so he clamps Embiid that one time. And then I have a clip of him blocking Giannis on an alley-oop. You you show me one other guard that even attempts to block Giannis on an alley-oop, I would be surprised. Like, he's just such a different breed. And I think at this point in his career, he's such a smart offensive player. Like, he kind of understands a lot more of when to shoot, when to pass. You know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are better shooters. If they're open, they should shoot before me. Yet he also knows when to attack the rim. Like, he's so smart now than he, you know, than he's been in the past. 
and his defense and his hustle. And they actually interviewed Rob Will about, you know, the defense. Again, this is from Alex Long, my, my Celtics insider. They interviewed Rob Will about, like, the team's defensive success and how he was potentially DPOY or whatever. And he gave all credit to Marcus Smart. He said, nah, it's not me. This is not my defensive team. This is Marcus Smart's team. Like, I'm just a piece on here. Um, like, Marcus is the leader of this defense. He brings the intensity. He, you know, he's there every game. Uh, and Rob Will's having an insane season. Like, he's blocked more shots than he's missed or something like that in his career. Like, Mark, Rob Will is insane. And he gave all credit to Rob Will. And like I said, you don't see many players hustle in the NBA. So I don't know why Marcus Smart's so hated on. Maybe because he's just one of those annoying defensive players. Um, but it's like, dude, this is one of the few guys who hustles 24-7 in the league. And I, I love to see it. And you'll notice a massive difference when he's out for the Celtics. There's just the defensive intensity is just gone. Um, so, yeah, I think he's at least tier two. Uh with the potential, like you said, to be tier one. So definitely a wild take by Trill Withers. Uh, and I think he just kind of describes what most of the public thinks of Marcus is that, you know, he's not that great offensively and no one cares about defense. So it is what it is, but yeah, um, I just have to hundred percent disagree. He's definitely not tier three. So, yeah. The, the problem is, is, um, is guard play nowadays is so much more looked at as how are you offensively? They don't focus on the defensive way. And like you said, Marcus Smart defensively is top one or two in the league. Yeah, like for sure. Not even a debate about that. But yeah, that's why I think he's getting the hate that he is, is he's not as solid offensively. But defensively, there's very, very few people you could put potentially over his name without an argument. Yeah. And like, I would even extend that to all time. Like, I... I've just watched him clamp dudes who are way bigger than him. I'm just like, how? But he's just his own, like, 6'5", just thick but smart. I He's, yeah, he is Marcus Smart. He's amazing. I, I love him. 100%. Nope, I, I agree. So we have a take that we agree with and a take that we disagree with, but that's our take. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. If we could do that yeah. every week, that'd be, that'd be good stuff. Find a take that's good and a take that's not. <laughs> find one that we can roast and find one that we can compliment. <laughs> yep, for sure. We're, we're a very generous podcast, but we're also one that's going to roast you, too. So. Oh, yeah. We call it like we see it. We're straight shooters. Yep, for sure. All right, so let's transition to me and DJ's <clears throat> favorite segment, the mic drop segment. Before we do that, I want to remind everyone that the Coda Sports Gambling Network and the Gambling Feud podcast is sponsored by the Bet Coda Sportsbook. BetCoda Sportsbook is a South Dakota-owned and operated sportsbook located in the Midnight Star Casino in Deadwood, South Dakota, serving customers in the state. As you enter the Midnight Star, you are swept into the past with the grand staircase, stunning woodwork, and the elegance of the chandelier. They offer the best lines in Deadwood, so stop by and mention the Coda Sports Gambling Network to win a free BetCoda t-shirt. Play responsibly, must be 21 years or older to wager, you have gambling problems or concerns, call 1-800-522-4700. So this is going to be a, uh, a mic drop that I've had like parallel mic drops to before, but it's something that's like really, really starting to irritate me. So at the network, there's two guys that cover women's college basketball. Myself and Pace are the only two guys that really know much about women's college basketball. The thing is, is, this is what's bothering me. So 
ESPN has the exclusive rights to the entire March Madness tournament for the women's team. No other network is doing it. Whereas like men's March Madness, they have no access to it. It's either going to be TBS, True TV, um, CBS, or I can't even think of the other one right now. But um, nonetheless, you have exclusive rights to these women's basketball terms. What are they doing for the men's side? Let, let's just say they're having shows constantly like these various networks having shows constantly covering all the teams covering like basic headlines news highlights interviews with players what have you espn is doing none of that they're doing like an occasional five to ten minute deal on all the games on the women's side they're not having any other extra shows and then they have the audacity to say we're trying to go the game build the game bullcrap you're trying to build the game if you're trying to build the game you are going to put on extra shows. You're going to show more highlights and you're going to try to get viewers to pay attention to this. They're not paying attention to it right now because you're not doing nothing about it. You're not advertising it hardly at all. Besides like sports center, like you'll do like an occasional five to 10 minute deal on sports center. But after that, there's nothing about it. And I'm not saying you should have like a network devoted to it 24 seven, but for crying out loud, do more than what you're doing. And then the fact that, like you said, you're saying we're trying to grow the game. You're not. Because if you're trying to go the game, you would do more. Women's college basketball is so underappreciated right now. You know, Pace and I have talked about this before. You can hardly find any sports book with lines for women's college basketball. Actually, Barstool just started posting lines. So that's really, really great to see. And like some other sports are starting to do that. And, you know, they're starting to bring in more <clears throat> Uh, women's ba- women's commentators to commentate these women's games while also doing men's. But like I said, at the same time, you can't be telling the viewers that you're trying to grow the game when you're barely doing, when you're doing the bare minimum and you're the only one that has exclusive rights to these games. So ESPN is a joke. It's ridiculous. Don't go and tell people that you're trying to do something when you absolutely are not. Spot on. That. I 100% agree. It seems very hypocritical to say, like, we need to do more for women and then just not not do it. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? <laughs> it's, yeah, that's so backwards. But, I, yeah, it just fits in with ESPN, honestly. Like, they've been doing this kind of stuff where they used to have a corner on the market. Like, they owned the sports market. You know, Sports Center was everyone watched Sports Center but they just didn't grow. They didn't adapt and they just kind of stayed the same. And now you got, you know, your barstool sports, your Fox sports. Um, I don't even know what the other ones are, but you got so CBS. many. CBS. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have so many that compete and they're changing the game, which is kind of forcing ESPN to change the game, but it's just, I don't know. Whoever's running ESPN, not a good job. Like over the last 20 years, bad job uh they're just they just do a bunch of headline clicks and stuff and stuff to get people's attention and they're not really covering sports and then on top of it to you know advocate for this issue to you know support women's athletes and then to proceed to not do that it's like i don't know man you're two-faced you're you're flip-flopping and i just can't respect it that's what it comes down to uh so yeah and Again, I, I'm not a huge, not not that I would say advocate, uh, but I'm not a huge viewer of the women's basketball. 
just in my opinion, I don't enjoy it as much as other sports, but that's me, you know, uh, I'm sure there's someone who doesn't like watching baseball. I don't, I'm not offended by that. So it shouldn't be offensive that I don't love to watch women's basketball, but Kyle, on the other hand, he loves watching it. And so that's, you know, there's just differences. Uh, but it's like ESPN assumed that everyone's like me and doesn't advertise for it when they're missing out on the Kyles of the world, the people who do like it. And so it's ridiculous. And I don't know, I, there's no way to stop ESPN, but I hope they slowly lose profit and money, I guess, because they're just so bad at their job. And like the watch ESPN apps, the worst. And uh, now I'm just going on a mic drop about ESPN, Kyle. <laughs> Right yeah they used to be so good but they stink right yeah 100 percent. and this is just this is just another example though like of things they do and it's ridiculous um so yeah yeah that's i really don't have much more to say it's it doesn't surprise me that espn would do something like this but yeah yeah for sure and, Anyway, to get on to, to my mic drop, uh, pretty simple one here. The scheduling for March Madness has just been whack. I mean, they started a game at like 5.15, and then they start another game at like 5.40. And both games have a halftime at like the same time. And so you're just sitting there for like 20 minutes. Like, why would you not space it out and maybe start one a little earlier, like 4.00? You know, so then, you know, you last hour of work, you can watch a little basketball and then, oh, halftime hits right as you're going home from work. And then, you know, that game's wrapping up. The next game starts. And then they, they, they like the scheduling so stupid that it's like two games are on at the same time and two games are at uh, halftime at the same time. And then there's like these weird periods where you have like half an hour of no games. It's like. You guys have done so many March Madness tournaments. You should know exactly what the average game length is, how long the average first half is, and you should be able to schedule it so that you there's always something on and take full advantage. And they just don't. And it's it's the same with like baseball scheduling. Like how many Fridays in a row in baseball did we not have a Friday game until like three? I'm like, dude, it's Friday. We need an 11 o'clock game. We need a game starting at 11. I need to get to work, work for like three to four hours, and then I need to be able to watch a game the rest of the day. And again, I, I don't get it. Like, how can people like you and I, just the common folk, I'll call us, you know, the, the normal people of the world, notice this issue and the major companies that are making the decisions don't even like think about, like, don't even, it doesn't even phase them. Like, oh yeah, we should do that. Like, and they consistently, like the, with the March Madness schedule, MLB, um, you know, NFL's kind of got their scheduling locked in. The NBA is just all over the map, but you, you bet on Christmas day, the NBA is going to have games because they know there's nothing else on like they're geniuses for that. Uh, so it's just, it's just ridiculous that we're all these billion years into the March Madness tournament and the scheduling still whack where we have both games at halftime at the same time. And then we have a half hour of dead time and both games are on at the same time. So you can't watch them. It's just, I don't know. It's frustrating uh because it's like it's not that hard to be honest with you but they just can't seem to figure it out no you're absolutely right and it's something that's not just frustrated you it's frustrated a lot of people like they've been do like you said they've been doing it for how long and they still can't figure it out my only thinking is the reason that they like have those gaps in there is they want to get time for those big time like 
personalities that they have on, give them their time to do the uh, preview shows or give them time for more advertising and stuff like that. That's my only thinking of why they have those gaps. But the one thing that's never made much sense to me and the one thing that's always... I don't, it, it, it's stupid that it bothers me, but it bothers me. Like the first game between Kansas and Villanova, it's starting at five Oh nine. Like what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. What? <laughs> like I had to re-listen to what you just said. Cause it didn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> five Oh nine. And I think the other game, I'm going to fact check this here really quick. The other games had a really weird time too. So like the Villanova, Kansas game, is that, and of course my phone decides to act up whenever I want to fact check something. That's that's really tough there, but oh, nope, hold on. We're getting currently, currently looking for an intern to do our fact checking for us. Yes, if the Coda intern wants to come on uh, <laughs> Gambling Feud too, we will and just ask him questions. Open arms. Uh, in the, okay, so 509 is the Villanova, Kansas game. Duke, North Carolina is at 749. Again, what the hell are we doing here? I, I honestly think you made a great point about the preview shows. Like they're paying all these guys, you know, I don't even know who's on all of them because each one's different, but you got Barkley and um, Kenny oh, Smith. Yeah. What's the, uh, no, what's the NFL or not the NFL, the NBA guy, Ernie Johnson. Ha Yeah. Ernie yeah. Johnson. Yeah. So I, I get that you're paying these guys all these money. So you want to get them some, you know, showtime. So that actually, made, that actually is the most reasonable or realistic reason, I guess. So that actually makes sense, Kyle. You kind of solved the problem for me, but. It's still. not right though, but no. that's kind of what I'm thinking is happening. Yep. No, that's spot on, spot on right there. Yep. For sure. So again, very good DJ. That was a good mic drop getting some stuff off our chest here. So before we bring on our, uh, guest for the gambling feud segment let's go finish off with our top five list so basically how the top five list is gonna be a top five of just any random thing it can be in sports can be outside of sports we'll uh, go to twitter we didn't do that last week we'll do it this week and just kind of se- tell you like our thoughts on it so this week we got the top five current mlb players to build your franchise around so again these are young players who like if you were an mlb gm and you could build your franchise around one player, who would it be? Again, I'll go first because DJ's more of the baseball guy, so I'll let him do most of the talking here. So DJ posted his list on our script. I didn't get a chance to, but we have four out of the five guys on our list. I do have one guy that you don't. You have one guy that I don't, and the order's kind of mixed up. But number five, a guy that I don't have, or a guy that you don't have that I do, I'm going to go Raphael Devers. Okay, I respect it. Number five, uh, tw- he was an all-star last year. He won the World Series back in 2018. Uh, just on the year, he has a 279 batting average, 112 home runs, and 367 RBIs. I mean, that's really, really solid numbers. And he's still, I think he's only 24 right now. Yep. Just a lot of potential there. And I think he's going to be, if he, if he sticks and stays in Boston, he's going to get paid for a long time. And he's going to go down as an all-time great in Boston. So I really like Raphael Devers there. Uh, number four, I'm going to go Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, last year, he hit 48 home runs, and he's he was only 22. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. And if he continues this trend, I mean, he's going to be he's going to be up there. I, I'm not saying right now he's going to get to Bonds because that's atrocious. Why would I say that? But he's going to be up there if he continues this trend. So again, if you want to build your franchise around a home run hitter, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Is very, very young, still got it in him. 
Uh, number three, I'm going to go uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, really, really popped off last year. Last year, he had 42 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and 282 and a 282 batting average. The reason I have Fernando Tatis lower than the other two that are kind of fairly obvious is he has 42 errors in three seasons. That's the thing that if he, he needs to work on those, he needs to get that number down because people have said like he deserves a gold glove. It's kind of hard to give a gold glove and you're averaging about 10 to 15 errors a year. So again, um, Tatis Jr. I got number three, number two, I'm going to go Ronald Acuna. Uh, very, very solid fielder. I think he's one of the better fielders that I know of as for as young as he is. He only has 10 errors in four years, which is very, very good. And then it's for career, he's batting 281, 105 home runs, 246 RBIs. He's only 24 years old. So uh, he was injured last year, wasn't a part of that World Series run, but he's absolutely going to be a star. This kid is very young and he's, yeah, it's a name you're going to need to remember. And number one, I think it's number one on your list, DJ, Juan Soto, uh, batting two, he batted 292 when he was 20. And then he helped Washington to a World Series in 2019. In his career, he's bat- he's batting 301 for a career. He has 98 home runs, 312 RBIs. He's only 24. I mean, th- he has the capability to be a like a, a Mike Trout esque is what he has the capability of being. I really like Juan Soto. I think he's going to be a star. So if I am an MLB GM, Juan Soto would be the number one guy I'd try to get. If not him, Acuna. Fernando Tatis, Vlad Guerrero, and then Rafael Devers. Yeah, no, pretty solid list. Uh, yeah, so basically the way I thought of this is if there was, you know, in the, the video game, I will be the show, you can do a fantasy draft. So if there's a fantasy draft, it's like, who do I want to draft uh, to start my franchise? Uh, and the thing is you want a guy below 25 because you want to be able to give him a 10-year deal, lock him up, and ride it out. Uh, and essentially you're paying him less at the beginning. You know, he's – He's producing more than you're paying him in the beginning of his contract. And then near the end of his contract, when he's older, he's producing less uh, than what they're producing less than what you're paying him. So the front end, you win the back end, you lose, but you have to do those types of contracts in baseball, because if you don't, someone else will. Uh, So that's kind of how I thought of my list. So basically all these guys under 25 uh, and like you said, four of our five are the same. Uh, so the only difference is our number five spot. You have Raphael Devers, great pick. Raphael Devers, maybe a little worse defensively than the person I chose, but a significantly better hitter than, not significantly, but a better hitter than the guy I chose. And the, I chose uh, Bo, Bo Bichette uh, for my uh, five spot. He plays yep. shortstop. Yep, shortstop is the most uh, crucial position on the field. Uh, you know, it's the toughest. You got to do a lot of things. You have to be crazy athletic. And he's a great defender. He's, he's a gold glove defender uh, at some point in his career, I, I'm willing to bet. And then on top of that, he can hit. Uh, he's more of an average guy, but he can hit homers. Uh, he's super talented. And I just – I thought I'd have more pitchers on this list. Uh, but really, there's no young pitchers that are really catching my eye over these hitters. And so my number four, uh, who I believe is also your number four, Happens to be Bo's teammate. So the Blue Jays got something going right here uh, because I got Vlad Guerrero Jr. You want to talk about raw power? Vlad's up there for, you know, guys in the league as of right now. I once watched Vlad hit a outside low curveball slider, some sort of breaking pitch over the fence. And yes, when I, he, remember yeah, I remember that. I remember that. When he swung at it, I was just like, oh, that's just, 
not a good pitch to swing at. Like that's a terrible pitch to swing. That's a like the pitcher's happy right now that you swung at that. And then I just watched it carry and carry and carry and go out. And I I didn't have words at that point because I was like, no dude should be able to hit that pitch out of the park. Like, no, it's not possible. Uh, so he's just got insane strength. Uh, here, though, he's not as good of a defender, uh, you know, defensively speaking, which is why I think he's number four on the list. But from a raw hitting aspect, I think he's one of the better hitters on this list. Uh, so then number three, I got uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. with the Braves. Oh, man, this dude does it all. Great defense. He's a five-tool athlete, five-tool baseball player. In baseball, I don't know exactly what the five tools are. I think it's fielding, like speed, like stealing bases, uh, and then hitting for contact, hitting for power. And I don't know what the fifth tool is, uh, but he's a five-tool guy. Uh, he's he, he's going to steal you, you know, close to 30, 20 to 30 bags. He's going to hit close to 30 dingers and he's going to get a hundred RBIs. Like this dude does it all. He's super young, super talented. Um, really there's no negatives to this guy, really very few negatives to anybody on this list other than maybe Vlad's defensive skills are probably the only negative. Uh, but yeah, Ronald Acuna Jr. Insanely talented. And then number two on this list, I got Tatis Jr. And I'll, I'll say number one here, I got Juan Soto like you do, but I'll say that how, cause that was a tough decision. Honestly, the top three were a tough decision to kind of rank them because uh, they're all super young, super talented. Uh, but Juan Soto has been in the playoffs at a very young age and he produced, he produced under pressure and we haven't seen Fernando Tatis do that. We've never seen him play in a playoff game of magnitude and produce. And that is a key uh, factor. If I'm, if I'm drafting a guy, I want someone who can produce in the postseason because the postseason baseball is just different. It's not the same. You know, managers aren't managing the same. Each game matters so much more than 162 games when each game kind of is irrelevant at that point. But in the playoffs, every game matters, and it's so big. And we watched Soto literally carry the Nationals to a, to a, a World Series. I believe he hit a dinger off Clayton Kershaw or some lefty. They brought in a lefty on him, and he hit a dinger on him. And – it was massive and he's average, maybe above average fielder. I don't know. I know he's got a cannon, but I don't know how great of a fielder he is, but he can just rake and he's a lefty bat and he's super young, super talented. And he's proven uh, whereas Tatis five tool athlete. Again, he can steal you a ton of bags. He can hit home runs. He can hit RBIs. Uh, the only thing with him, which is why he's number two is we haven't seen him produce in the postseason. It's the only thing holding him back. Uh, other than that, him and, you know, you could honestly choose any of these top three. This is kind of like your fantasy draft last year. Like, you could choose any of these top three guys, and I wouldn't say that you're wrong necessarily. Like, I'd be like, oh, no, the good pick. Like, tough tough decision. Uh, and so that's that's how I think it is. So, like I said, postseason success is kind of the, the only differential. Uh, and we're not going to see Tatis this year until, what, halfway through the season at best. So that's kind of sad, but well, yeah, it's good list of players. I think the only pitcher I would consider is Ian Anderson. He plays for the Braves as well, I believe. Uh, he also lit it up in the postseason last year as like a 23-year-old, super talented, but I've only seen him pitch one season is my only flaw on him. And pitchers, they can light it up one season to be awful the next. So I would need to see at least one more season of sustained success to put him in the top five. And then of position players, I think the only one would be Raphael Devers, 
maybe Eloy Jimenez with the White Sox, uh, just because he has close to Guerrero Jr. power. Uh, but other than those guys, I think the top five is kind of solidified. Uh, really, that five spot's the only one that I think you could debate. Yep. Yep, for sure. And yeah, base, baseball's going to be big. We got a lot of young, bright stars. So uh, again, DJ and I will share our list on Twitter. But uh, DJ, we got a great guest coming on here for uh, Gambling Feud. So uh, let's get to it. And on to the Gambling Feud, sponsored by the Betcota Sportsbook segment. As you guys always know, we end every episode bringing on a guest, and we have him compete against Kyle and I uh, to get a chance at a TBD prize at the end of the year in our tournament. Uh, the Gambling Feud Network uh, is always sponsored by BetCoda. If you're in the Codas and you don't bet at BetCoda, what are you doing? You're not doing it right, that's for sure. But on to our current standings. Uh, in first place, we have Chibi 13 at plus 9.17 units. In second place, we have Soup at plus 4.8 units. In third place, we have Toast at plus 0.7 units. In fourth place, we have Pace at minus 7.44 units. And in fifth place, we have Willie Naylor at negative all the units. I think he did not win a bet. Uh, tough day for Willie. Uh, but, yeah, essentially the, the Gambling Feud segment, uh, we have five games and all three of us compete against each other to see who can finish best on units. Uh, you can use five units uh, each game. doesn't have to be just one bet. You can diversify them, parlay them. There's all the options. And we're bringing back a former guest we had on last year uh, and also a member of the Coda Sports Network. Uh, Kyle, why don't you introduce our guest and jump into this segment? Yes, sir. So <clears throat> met met this uh, guest on, met him through Twitter as a cheapie, uh, brought him on for a guest picker. DJ actually brought him on as his wild card for the guest pick him. So he is our very first three-time guest on the show. With us today, we got Potato Gobbler. How are we doing today, buddy? Doing awesome. And let me just say, it's an honor to be the first guy to be on three times. I hope that this is the time that gets me over the hump. Because the other two, I didn't even make it into the tournament rounds. So I'm, I'm really crossing my fingers here. I feel good. I did a lot of research on, on, on today's picks and I want to deliver for the people. You know, that's what it's all about. Feeling good. Absolutely. Well, uh, real quick, just for those that maybe don't necessarily know you that awful well, I'm sure like if you're listening on Twitter, you know who this guy is. But really quick, just tell the people about yourself. What, what is, uh, just tell a little bit about uh, PG. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go by the handle of at Potato Gobbler on Twitter. We've built quite the little community of uh, mostly gambling people, but we got a lot of cheapies there too. Uh, that's It's a lot of fun if you don't know about the cheapies. We kind of discussed that last time I was on, but basically it's a community of mostly very positive people and I've been able to uh, kind of surround myself with a lot of that. And that's kind of what's made it fun. Like uh, I, I talked about this last time, but having a positive, you know, kind of place to go on Twitter makes it a lot more fun because you see a lot of people talking about Twitter. They hate it on Twitter because it's so negative and whatever. But my experience is almost always positive. Uh, if I lose a bet on there, sometimes I'll have a troll or two, but I'm able to just kind of laugh those off because I know they're just trying to get a rise out of me. But uh, yeah, I've been gambling for a while. I've uh, been giving out picks for, I guess we're coming up on two years now, mostly positive. Uh, 
somehow, uh, especially with college football. That's my main kind of go-to, but really been loving doing some hockey picks here lately. College basketball is kind of hot there for a little bit too. Obviously we're winding down with that. Just a couple games left, but yeah, excited to be on the show. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you and DJ, we not only have a cheapie, but we also have the cheapie of the year yes. on the show with us. So congratulations, sir, on that. I don't yeah, know what you. we did to get so lucky to get a guy like PG on here, but to have the cheapie of the year even on this is an, is an honor. The, I, I'm telling you, the honor's all mine. Uh, <laughs> you know, being the cheapie of the year, it doesn't compare to coming on the show. So I'm here for a third time. So, <laughs> so let's go. Let's go. I love that. Um, so again, uh, you know, we're big with the cheapy community. We try to be big yep. and get many people on, you know, we got you on, um, we want to get fucked eye on the show at some point. He's just a hard guy to get a hold of. So we'll yeah. see. If we get a, get a hold of that guy. Uh, Faye JT has been on the show before, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in, in the near future, he's been on a show, but in the near future, we're going to try to get Fab Mello on. He's been yes. on Mount Lockmore. So He's going to be a for sure uh, cheapy 13, obviously mm -hmm. leading the leaderboard right now. So we're big with the cheapy community. We're going to try to get more cheapies on as well as some non cheapies and just try to diversify yeah. that way. So uh, you were the, I think you were the beside, oh, besides Faye JT, you were the first cheapy to actually get on the networks. Or, so, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we discussed that on my first, uh, first trip around. And this time what, what the fans might not know is the first time we recorded I was outside on the laptop and it was in the summertime, I want to say. And so the, the crickets are not crickets, but the locusts and stuff were chirping. And it was kind of a, this is, a, I've got a much better setup now. I'm in the, I'm in kind of the studio, so to speak. So uh, yeah, a lot, lot better sound quality probably for me this time. No, I mean, yeah, it sounds great. And the microphone you got going on is legit. That's um, right. So the next question I was going to have for you. So obviously, um, you know, myself, uh josh campbell toast we all mm -hmm. followed you we 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 basically all went to pace and said i don't care what you do try to get potato gobbler at the network he talked to you you joined the network uh how are you liking being a part of the code of sports gamma network so far it's been all positive on my end uh like you said when when i had that conversation with pace at the time to, to be real honest with you i wasn't sure if i wanted to do it because I was afraid it might be more work on my end or it might be, you know, what, but when I talked to him, it, I just got a sense of like, this guy's got it. Like he's, he's got this figured out, you know, he, he's a, he's another guy that I liked that seems to be mostly positive. And I was like, this is the kind of guy I want to be around. And it makes a lot of sense for me right now. And I I've had a great time with the network and, and shout out to you guys for, for trying to help me get on. So that's awesome. Oh yeah. We were, we were big advocates for trying to get you on ever since like, like I joined the cheapy community. You were one of the first cheapies to actually follow me back. So just ever since yeah. then, like we, we were vouching for you to get on. So we're really glad you're a part of it. It's been awesome. You know, I listen to every episode, not another college football podcast. Yeah. And uh, I love, I love Meerkat and all mm -hmm. the guys you have. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get Meerkat to follow me because I want him to come on gambling feud at some point. Yeah. Meerkat's big time. Meerkat's big time. He's hard to tie down uh, and, and shout out to him because uh, the day this uh, comes out, he starts his new job. So he got a new job. Shout out to him. But he's one of my good buddies. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of cool people on the uh, Not Another CFB pod. Don't know what we're going to be doing next year kind of with, with football podcast. There's some big news kind of in the works with that. So we'll see what that looks like coming forward. But I'll talk to him. We'll, we'll get him to follow you. I'll All talk right, to no, him. I got I his agree. phone number. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so 
another thing I was going to bring up, I'm not going to spoil much yet because I want later down when we actually have like the full details of it, but I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person and actually cheering on a team that we both like. And I was the only one at the network who liked them until you came on. So I'm really excited to actually get to be with you and cheer on that team. Again, not going to go into too many details about it, but yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, it's coming up quick. Uh, be here before you know it. I can't wait either. Be my first time kind of, I don't want to say in the Midwest, uh, but, but definitely my first time kind of in that state. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, we'll see a bunch of cornfields and, and cool stuff. That's a little teaser, I guess. <laughs> yep. That's we'll leave it at that because that's a, that's a good teaser there. Um, so I got a couple more questions then we can actually get diving sure, into sure. the games and stuff like that. So you mentioned it earlier, but I mean, and, and this is just a compliment to you. Like I follow, I don't even know, like 800 people. You are like, like, it's not even close in terms of positivity. You are the most positive individual, the most humble individual I think I've met on Twitter. Like, how do you find a way to like maintain that positivity while also having like so many like trolls and negative people coming at you the way they are? You know, part of it is, and first of all, thanks for saying that. That's, that's very nice. Um, I, Part of it is with the trolls and stuff, I guess we'll speak on that first, because that's been recently relevant, kind of. We've had a couple come out of the woodwork, you know, these little egg accounts with like no followers. That stuff, the the reason, the thing you got to do is you got to put your mindset in what the trolls are doing. The trolls are literally just trying to make you upset. That's their goal in life. And so if you can understand that, you can kind of just laugh it off. Honestly, it's not not a great existence to just be there, just trying to get a guy going, just trying to get a guy upset. And so first of all, that's kind of the first thing I do is I go, these guys are, are in a bad, bad spot where they're just trying to make someone else that's happier than them sad. Uh, and, and so that's just not a good place. But as far as like the positivity and stuff, I think that just comes from everyone deals with negativity in their life. Everyone deals with uh, whatever it is, somebody getting sick in your family or, or, you know, your car payments late or whatever. Man, we get plenty of that stuff. The truth is, I just if I can make like one person just like even a little bit of a smile in a day that kind of gets me going and makes me happier. So that just, it kind of feeds into itself. And that's where I've kind of been is try to create as positive an environment as I can. Obviously sometimes I'll get into it. Like if a, if a college kid misses a free throw or two and causes me to lose a bet, I've been known to, uh, to spout off a little bit, but, uh, at the end of the day, if you can, if you can, influence someone else's day to just be a little bit better i think that's pretty cool and if someone did that to me i'd be really happy so that's kind of the angle that i come at with that but we we need more pgs in the world that's <laughs> that's an absolute fact that was one of my first statements ever uh, I, I don't know if it was a mic drop or what but we were you know mm-hmm. I, I, we really wanted pg on and i was just like dude if the world had more pgs it'd be such a better place like he's just always so positive so happy I've never seen him mad and it's to the point where I'm like, I'm, if he's mad, I'm going to be scared. Uh, it like, takes a lot. It takes a lot. And I've seen you like it, upset, you know, like you're yeah. upset at Oklahoma. You're upset at, you know, the, the stars or whatever. He's but been I've upset never... in the group chat a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, for <laughs> sure. We all have been off the rails in the group chat, but never like PG's never been like aggressively mad. Uh, yeah. And so it's, but it, it also works perfectly. Like our CEO pace probably as close to kind of pg as you can get he's always super positive super Mm -hmm. happy 
And that's why I was like, it, it's got to be a good fit here because this guy, he fits right in. He's going to provide good content and he's just going to be a good vibe. It's, it's all about the vibes at, right. at a certain point. That's what I'm big on, especially with gambling. Like my vibe's got to be real per- positive, <laughs> even if it's like, it takes me a long time to completely go, okay, we lost. And like, so if you see me say that, like, I really have no hope because I don't know the times I've had good luck. It's just been because I've gone, all right, this over, you know, we need a ton of points in like five minutes, but why not, you know, one time or whatever. So it takes me a lot to get going. And part of that just comes with age, like um, over, over the years and stuff, I've just kind of sat back and and watched and, and tried to figure out how I can build a positive, you know, influence around me because that influences me positively. So whatever, here we are. Absolutely. So, uh, one last question before we get started, just really, really quick. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but like sports that you like to bet on, what, what are they? I know you said like college football is your main, do you have any other sports you kind of like to focus on as well? Yeah. If I had to rank it, I would probably do like college football, NFL, hockey, um, I've done some college basketball. College basketball is just tough because, um, like like we were talking about, the fluky stuff can happen. A college kid miss a free throw or two. I don't know. I, I, I prefer kind of the – and this is kind of sounds weird. I've, I've, I've done some uh, soccer gambling as well. But I like the sports where there's contact. It seems to me like when there's contact and you have guys that are physically stronger, bigger, faster, whatever – they can impose their will and influence the game at a more consistent rate than like a game that's super high skill and, and random, I guess. So I prefer kind of the contact sports, hockey, uh, football, you know, that kind of thing. But I've done some, uh, some college basketball. I've done some, uh, done some soccer as well. So I've done a little bit of everything. All right. Sounds good. Well, that was a good interview. DJ, do you have, I know you said a few things already. Do you have any other comments before we uh, get rolling with the picks? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I definitely think you should follow. I-, I would honestly follow PG before I followed myself, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, a dude's just good vibes. He just wants to have fun. He wants everyone to be happy. And it's what we need in this world. It, it do more than any political policy or, you know, anything like that. Just if everyone was just good vibes, world would be a lot better place. So yeah, no, it's great to have PG on and I, I'm rooting for him. I, I don't yeah. like to get biased with the guests. You know, I don't like to hope they do well. I like to just, you know, they, they do what they do. But he's been on here twice. He's earned. He's putting I've in the work. Yep, yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> exactly. So I'm rooting for him. That That's really all I have to say is I'm, I'm rooting for this card. If and I have I, to fade it and go over, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say before we, before we get started here, too, that uh, – this isn't a pressure or anything like that, but if you don't beat DJI or if you don't make the Elite Eight, when it comes November time and you have a wild card, I guarantee you, me or DJ use you for one of them. At least. All right. That, that's good. That makes me feel good. Now let's mean it's fly now. I feel a little bit better about that. Let's go. Yep. Let it fly. So, hey, let's get, let's get right to it. So we got a good five-game card here. Again, DJ, myself, PG, five units per game can disperse to however you want. The only rule we have is you only have up to five units. Mm-hmm. So let's get started with the NBA. Really, really solid game being played tonight at 9 o'clock on ESPN between the Suns and the Warriors. Uh, that game's being played at 9 o'clock on ESPN. The line right now, Suns minus 7 and an over-under of 224. So I got two plays for this game. My first one is Phoenix on the year, 
42 and 33 against the spread, 23 and 13 on the road against the spread. They have been really, really solid all year long. They're actually better on the road against the spread than they are at home. Uh, I believe Golden State was without Steph Curry until the playoffs. So with that being said, I'm going to take um, I'll go, I'll go two and a half and two and a half. I'll go two and a half units on the uh, Phoenix spread minus seven. And then I'll take the other two and a half. I think that over is way too small. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. So I'm going to take the other two and a half and go the over of 222. All righty, Kyle, we will be somewhat in line here. Uh, yeah, Golden State just got slapped by a Memphis team without John Morant mm-hmm. and Jaron Jackson. Debatably, their two best players. You could maybe say Desmond Bain or Brandon Clark's better than Jaron Jackson, but Debatably, they're two best players, and Golden State got slapped. Phoenix, on the other hand, has been on a, at least a five-game win streak. They're 5-0 and oh in their last five. Uh, in their last 10, they're 8-2, and two, whereas the Warriors are 4-6. and six. Phoenix, 23-13 and 13 against the spread uh, on the road. And I think that says it all. Uh, you got to be able to win games on the road. Phoenix has – Phoenix, the hotter team – I have to go Suns minus seven, all five units here. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, see, this may be a good thing because I'm actually on the other side of this and maybe I'm crazy. I just like the Warriors at home. Something about, uh, you know, them being in that Oracle arena, I believe it's still called. Uh, They usually have a pretty darn good crowd. It's obviously tough. Um, In that game Monday that they played against Memphis, they did rest a couple guys. I'm hoping this is them back at home. I'm hoping it's kind of like, okay, hey, it's about to get playoff time. We've got to figure out how to win a couple games without Steph or, or whatever the case may be. And so I'm just doing a light sprinkle on this because I haven't done a ton of NBA betting. I want 1.1 units on the Warriors plus seven. Maybe I'll do a light sprinkle on the money line. We'll see uh, when the when tomorrow rolls around and we get the official rosters. Because if more starters are resting and stuff, I don't want to be on that money line. But I do think uh, possibly at home seven might be a little uh, just a few too many points. And sometimes the best move is fading me and DJ for being. It, that's kind of, that's the silver lining in this is that at least I'm on the other side. So that if this goes my way, it's a big swing. Uh, but I'm just going to hit it for like, you know, 1.1 units to win one or whatever. So. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's transition now from the NBA to the final four games. So obviously we're going to cover both final four games. Uh, first game being played on Saturday at five Oh nine. We talked about that time earlier in the show. That's really weird on TBS between Villanova and Kansas the line right now, Kansas minus four and a half and an over-under of 132 and a half. So this game was tough for me to kind of look at because there's mm-hmm. so many different factors here as far as like Kansas has kind of, you know, like they, they just steamrolled Miami last game. But they also were like very, very close in a couple other games this tournament. Obviously, talked about it before, I really like Abaji here. I think that – um there really isn't anyone in Villanova that can stop him. Obviously, Villanova with Jalepsi, that's what kind of got me to think maybe they might do it. And the fact that Jay Wright is so um, used to the postseason and stuff like that. But the Kansas also has Bill Self. So I think that's kind of a butting heads here. I think Abaji's better than Jalepsi. I think Kansas is better than Villanova. I'm going all five units on Kansas minus four and a half. Okay. Yeah, I'm 
actually going to be on the flip side. And the only reason is because I think the game's going to be close. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's going to come down to one possession and I think it's going to come down to the last possession. So I don't know if Kansas will have the ball. I don't know if Villanova will have the ball, but I know that four and a half covers a one possession game every time. Uh, So yeah, I'm going, I'm going Nova here uh, strictly because I think the game's going to be so close uh, and I'll throw – I'm only going to go 2.2 on this. I, I don't trust my March Madness abilities, <laughs> judging by all of my brackets and everything I've done with March Madness. So, yeah, I'm just going to go 2.2 here. But uh, I, I really don't know. I'm hoping it will be a fun game. It's really all I care about at this point. I got you. Well, on this one, I was kind of torn, no but I way. knew immediately one play that I wanted to be on is this first half under. I assume we can still do first half unders in this. I want to do – I think I just want to do – I'll do three units on this first half under. Uh, The number I saw it at was 61.5, which isn't a super high number. Both these teams are great defensively. I also want to talk about Villanova, Justin Moore, one of their starters. He actually averages the most minutes for them. He tours Achilles in the last seconds of the last game. Really unfortunate situation. So because of that, I think I'm going to sprinkle 1.1 on Kansas minus four and a half, just because I think Kansas is a good team in that second half. They looked unreal against Miami. I think they beat them like 47 to 15 or something crazy in the second half. So I'm going to sprinkle uh, 1.1 units on Kansas minus four and a half. But I, my big play for this, I think, is that first half under. Going to be a lot of feeling each other out. Both these coaches are great. They're going to have great defensive game plans in place. And like I said, with one guy, and I think he was their second leading scorer as well down for Villanova. I think that's enough of an advantage to give me this first half under. Okay. So, and first half hunters have been pretty profitable for you this March Madness. They, yeah, I should have mentioned that. They've been awesome. Uh, I think I – I'm like eight and two on them or something like that. So they've been really good. They've been hot. So we'll, we'll keep riding them and see if the system works. All right. No, I, I love it. I love it. All right. So let's go to the other March Madness game. Uh, what's going to be a phenomenal final four game, North Carolina and Duke at 749 on TBS. The line right now is Duke minus four and an over under of 151 and a half. So I have two plays here. One is a play I do think will hit, and one is an emotional hedge. So I got two <laughs> plays here. Um, Duke and North Carolina, it's always close, but it's always high scoring. So that's why the line is as high as it is. I still think that they're going to go over. So I'm going to go over of 151.5. I'm going to do 3.3 to win three on that game. And I'm doing this last one merely as an emotional hedge because, A, I have – North Carolina in the Coda Capra contest. So if they yeah. win, they win $50. And I also hate Coach K. So I'm going to do an emotional hedge of 1.1 unit to win one on Duke minus four. And if they cover, then I'm happy. If North Carolina wins, I'm also happy. But knowing my luck, North Carolina's going to, or Duke's going to win by three. Just that that's the way that Duke works. <laughs> but I'm going to go 3.3 to win three on the over. And then as an emotional hedge, I'm going to do 1.1 1. 1 to win one on Duke minus four. Duke winning by three would literally <laughs> be the worst there. Um, but no, I partially think that Duke's guaranteed to get to the finals because it's Coach K's last run. And if ESPN wants to make a documentary about it, then Coach K's got to win it all on his last run. 
Um, but I'm going to throw all of that aside and I am just going to bet with my heart, which is the worst idea in the world, but I've also been terrible in March madness. So I can't get any worse. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go North Carolina here. I'm going to take them plus four. I'm only going to do 2.2 units on it. And it's strictly, I will be, I will throw on my North Carolina Jersey. I will throw on my North Carolina shorts and I will throw on my old AF ones. And yeah. if that doesn't lead them to a dub, I don't know what else will. So, yeah, 2.2 North Carolina, strictly just because I'm a fan, strictly because I want to win. All right. I like that. And I, in fact, I'm on the same side of this. Uh, and it, you know, it is a bit of an emotional play. North Carolina plus four. I also want to sprinkle. Also, I'll do, I'll do, uh, I'll do 2.2 units to win two on North Carolina plus four. I want to sprinkle the money line. I think I did the math. It's 0.6 units to win one roughly based on the money line right now. So those are my plays on this one. And and just to break it down, I think it's just a little too many points. Uh, Obviously North Carolina won the last one in Cameron indoor stadium by what 13. So I think, uh, I think one of the things is, that first matchup Duke won in North Carolina, but then I got to looking at it. Duke almost shot 60% in that game when they weren't just shooting the lights out of the gym. They're very beatable. I think that, you know, Duke's coming together at the right time. The point uh, DJ makes about the, the people, you know, as it were the higher ups wanting to see coach K go out a winner. It's a scary factor, but at least with that plus four, hopefully I keep it close enough to win. Uh, I do think that my guy, Brady Manick, who's an OU guy, I think he's been just lights out. I don't know that they've got a good defensive matchup for him, Duke. So we'll see. I think my Tar Heels got a good chance though. That's, that's the way I'm rolling on this one. It's going to be fun though. This is their first matchup, their first matchup in, uh, in uh, March madness ever. Yeah. Really? It's pretty cool. Yeah. In a, in the NCAA tournament. That's, that's wild. First off. Secondly, I forgot Brady came for Brady man. came from Oklahoma. Yep. Oh, that's wild. He, he didn't used to have the big beard. So like, he looks like a different guy, but (laughs) we used to call him Larry on the Prairie because he looked like Larry Bird, (laughs) but he's somewhere else now he's a hill he's a hillbilly now he's definitely very crucial to that team and you saw mm-hmm. when he got ejected in that uh what was that the ucla game no mm-hmm. yeah it was the ucla game when they blew that massive lead yes yep yeah you saw how no that had to be that was against baylor that was against baylor so yeah you saw yes they baylor. were up huge on baylor yeah baylor came and then he notes. got ejected and you just watched him slowly like he's the kind of the key behind their success and he's mm-hmm. yeah he I, stretches the defense he can get offensive rebounds like he's kind of the perfect college player you'd want i don't know if he'll ever do anything in the pros but as far as college goes he can shoot the corner threes he'll go in there for a tip dunk every now and then he's a pretty good free throw shooter solid defender not awesome but solid it's exactly what you want in college so he's a he's a super senior he's a he graduated from ou so he's a graduate transfer Oh, I'm hoping for he, that he has a, a good game if it, if it is their last one, but I'm hoping they win and he gets a shot at a championship. It'd be pretty cool. Definitely. I mean, gets all of his skill from the OU, everything that oh, they yeah. built. They built him up <laughs> well, for four years. He's an Oklahoma guy. He went to a small school here. I actually saw him play high school in the town that I live in. So, like, I have kind of a personal connection with it. Okay. Uh, I We've played in the same gym before, like kind of at an open gym thing, but, I mean – 
I mean, he was, he was obviously way better than me, but uh, <laughs> I, I know, I know him sort of, so it's kind of cool. Sure. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fun watching him. And then as much as I hate giving Duke credit, I will say Paolo Bonchero is going to be top three in the NBA draft. He is so good, man. Especially this tournament. He's really turned it on. And I saw a thing about him that is kind of interesting. I guess he's been having a lot of cramp problems. They're saying he's losing like six pounds every time he plays a game. I don't know if he's got, he's got some kind of weird hydration issue or something cramping a lot. Every time he comes to the bench, you'll notice the trainers will be rolling his thighs out, rolling his calves out really, really strange situation. So we'll keep an eye on that too. That's one thing I've never understood. Like, in, I know in my personal experience, the only time I ever cramped, I didn't drink enough water and I knew yeah. it going into the event, mm-hmm. but if you drink water, you don't cramp. So like when LeBron did it against the Spurs or whatever, way back when, and yeah. then, you know, you see these athletes cramping all the time. I'm just like, I, it doesn't I don't know make if they're sense partying or what the deal is like, just drinking yeah, it. Sucks can't the water blame them. I don't know. <laughs> like that may be it. I don't know. Like you tell me I make it to the final four and I'm not going to have a drink. Like, come on yeah, now. Yeah. You got to celebrate. <laughs> yep. For sure. All right. So let's get into uh, PG and DJ's more wheelhouse with the NHL. So we will um, get started here with the game being played tonight at six 30 on TNT between the Rangers and the Red Wings Rangers 42, 19 and five with 89 points. The Red Wings 26, 32 and eight with 60 points the line right now rangers minus 210 red wings plus 170 and an over under of six so i don't know much about hockey i'm gonna be the first one to admit but i know if i'm gonna beat p if i need to be pg or dj i need to put my nuts on the table here and that's exactly what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go three units on the over six for the rangers and the um Red Wings game. And I'm going to take my other two units, and this is where the nuts go on the table. I'm going to take the the two units on Rangers' puck line. I think they're going to win by two two or three goals here, and I think I can get that at plus money. I have to look that up whenever the line actually comes out after we record. But I do think I can get that at plus money. So I'm going to take – I do think the over is going to hit because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. So I will take three units on that. But I do think the Rangers are going to win, and they're going to win by at least two. So I'm going to go – Two units on the Rangers puck line. I respect it. Um, yeah, if you would have told people ahead of time that the Red Wings were going to be 26, 32, and 8, they wouldn't have believed you because that's too good of a record. Uh, the Red Wings have definitely outkicked their coverage, and they're very good at home, surprisingly. They're 17 and 12 this season at home. Saying that in their last 10, they're two, six, and two. Uh, and as an underdog, as an underdog, they're 14 and 37. They're really bad. I don't even know how that math makes any sense, but because they're 26 and 32, but blame the action sports app or whatever, pro action sports app. Uh, nonetheless, it's just you, sometimes you just don't want to get cute. And I generally have a rule in hockey where I don't like betting over 150. Maybe I'll extend it to 175. Uh, but here <clears throat> I'm kind of forced to bet. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. So I will take the Rangers money line, five units. They're just a better team. 20 and 13 on the road, 26 and nine is a favorite, six and four in their last 10. Uh, in their last five, they're four and one, whereas Detroit's one and four. They're just a better team, and I 
just don't get cute sometimes. So yeah, I'm going all in on the Rangers minus two ten five units probably to win what like two units. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna let it all ride. Yeah, I like that. I I thought that this line was a little too big um, on a side to pick a side. But I do think the total could be in play because the Rangers, you know, they played tonight. They actually beat the Pittsburgh Penguins three to two. And that was with Igor Shosturkin in net. That's a hard last name to say, but he's kind of their MVP. Uh, he's going to win the goalie of the year award, the, the Vesna trophy. So I think for this one, I've got to go over. The last time we saw the Red Wings out on the ice, they let in 11 goals. It's that, it's that time of year where teams, it, we see this in the NBA a lot, but they really start changing those rotations. They really get the young guys in there, and it's for a reason. They're trying to lose, so they get a better draft pick. So I don't hate the Rangers' money line. It's just that they're coming off a back-to-back, and I don't have the starting goalie in net. So I think the safe play for me, I'm going to put – uh, I'll put two units on this over. I think it's going to be around six or six and a half, but either way, I think the Red Wings defense is just not great right now. The Rangers with the backup goalie could, I could see them giving up a few goals in Detroit. Uh, so we're rolling with this over. All right. Um, so one thing I was going to ask you about PG, because I know like so you're a big hockey guy and I actually was really into hockey like a couple of years ago. So a uh, quick story. And then I'll ask my question, but the NHL draft during COVID times, the Rangers got the number one pick because they had a weird rule that like a placeholder team got the number one pick because of COVID. So the Rangers got the number one pick. They got this Alexi Lafonier as the number one pick. Mm-hmm. And he, and he going into the draft was compared. They compared him to Sidney Crosby. That's how good they said he was. And I think he's like second or third line. I guess I just didn't know if you had any, if you knew much about him or if you knew anything more. No, I don't know much about him, but the one thing I will say is in hockey, it's kind of like baseball where it takes them a lot of time to where they start trusting you to, to play the major minutes. Um, and it depends on position. Obviously it's all different. If you're a goalie, usually it takes you a long time to break into the NHL team. Uh, and when you do, you're usually the second guy. So Igor's a younger guy, but he's there, obviously their stud goalie. I think with this guy, they're probably just trying to feel it out, make sure he's comfortable with everything they're doing. And he'll probably slowly work his way up the lines. Um, but I, I don't know much about him personally, but that's what I would say. And, and we're talking about the Red Wings. They've got two of the best rookies on their team this year. Cider being one of them is a defenseman. Um, I don't think either one's going to win rookie of the year type awards, but they're right there two and three maybe for it. So sometimes it takes guys a little bit to break in. Sometimes they get in right away and they're effective. But I think the difference is the Rangers are already a really good team. So they've got those lines set, whereas the, the Red Wings are kind of struggling, trying to figure out who's going to be their guys going forward. Yeah, okay. and, I, and I think the adjustment to the NHL, like people it's don't realize it, it's, it's so fast, yet mm-hmm. somehow physical as well. And mm-hmm. so I think some of those younger guys need to beef up a little bit, but then also like be able to play at a higher level. Like mm-hmm. the pat, like just the windows to pass, everything just gets smaller. It's quicker. It's just, it's, it's tough. And, you know, you don't see, that's why I hate comparisons, like comparing him to Sidney Crosby, because you don't see like guys like Connor McDavid that just walk in at you know 20 years old and just dominate and same with the igor like he's 23 24 and he's one of the best like he's an insane goalie and you just you don't see that that often uh and so it's it's definitely a kind of it's it's most comparable to baseball honestly where it's just tough to really see when they you know some guys hit right away some guys it takes them three to four years and then all of a sudden they're a stud 
Uh, you'll just see random guys come out of nowhere where it's like, where's this guy been? Well, oh, he was a high pick, but he just didn't do much for a while. And it's like getting them used to the game and getting them going and just getting them physically, you know, it's it's the highest level. So, yeah, if that explains it at all, Kyle. No, it, it does. I just I just couldn't believe that they're that. I mean, this guy was like they have like a few fairly good number ones. This Lafonier is like the absolute definite number one. But comparing him to Crosby. I thought was just ridiculous. That's a that's a tough that's a tough way to come into the league too. Those expectations. I mean, just like DJ said. But anyway, especially yeah. being in New York, like that's oh, not yeah. a, that's not an easy place. No, yeah, for sure not. All right, so let's uh finish out our um our pick them with the Kings and the Oilers. The Kings thirty six twenty two and nine with eighty one points. The Oilers, 37, 25, and 5 is 79 points. Line right now, Kings plus 175. Oilers minus 215. And an over-under of six and a half. So, again, don't know a whole lot. I'm not as confident in this game as I was the other game. So, I'm not going to use as many units this game. But, again, um, I'm going to do something I never do. It's probably going to bite me in the butt. But I'm going to take the under. I never, I haven't taken an under an NHL game in a long time. I think six and a half for this game might be a little too much. So again, take my hockey knowledge with a grain of salt because I don't know much at this moment, trying to get into it more, but don't know much about it now. So I'm going to just take, I'm going to go 2.2 to win two on the under of six and a half. Yeah. I mean, you got two teams of polar opposites here Uh, in the last 10 games. LA's hit the under seven out of 10. Uh, whereas the Oilers have hit the over eight out of 10. So, I mean, it's just polar opposites and it's like who controls the game. You know, if if it's a fast paced going game, the Oilers are going to drop four or five quick. Whereas if the Kings control the game, it's going to be slow paced and, you know, more control and working it around and trying to get good high quality looks. Which is why I can't bet on the overrunner because I have no idea what type of game we're going to see. What I do know is that the Oilers have been on a heater. And when the Oilers get rolling, the Oilers are one of the best regular season teams in the league. They'll dominate the regular season. They'll be one of the best teams in the league. And as soon as you get to playoffs, the Oilers shit the bed. They do it every year. Every year. I swear. It's ridiculous. Um, But we're in the regular season and we're at home. 210, 215. It's a high number. But L.A. is just not great. They're 4-4 four and four in their last 10. Uh, they're 15-22 and 22 as an underdog. They are a surprising 18-9 and nine on the road. Uh, but the Oilers, 21-12 and 12 at home, 7-2 in their last 10. I just got to ride with the Oilers here. I'll throw all five units out there. This is just a game that the Oilers win. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Regular season Oilers at home, they just win this game. I, it's weird to explain, but it's just how they are uh postseason give it to the kings but regular season uh give it to the oilers and i mean their their losses recently have been to good teams i mean calgary is competitive and also a canadian team as a little bit of rivalry uh dallas solid squad dallas plays very fundamental and it was at dallas and the other one was at calgary and then at colorado i mean three three tough losses whereas when they played san jose and arizona who are two bottom of the league teams they destroyed them and Mm -hmm. they were both home games and this is kind of the kings are kind of that middle to bottom part of the league and i just think it's one of those where edmonton just pieces them up 
Yeah, I think that that's going to lead me kind of into my play. But what I wanted to say is, is yeah, Edmonton back at home. You're right. These teams do kind of play different. And just in the fact that we've seen the Kings be a little more defensive and Edmonton just scores a ton of goals usually. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go big on the over. I want I want three units on this over, and that's just because I think usually when you have a contrast of styles, that home team is able to usually enforce their will because they have a little more behind them. But at that same time, I I just can't really trust the Oilers goaltending like I want to. So I have to kind of stay away from, from that, maybe the puck line or something juicy like that. And I just have to go with this over six and a half. May even look at uh, Edmonton team total over. Don't know what that's going to be yet. Usually those lines get pretty juicy, so not exactly sure on that. But this over, I'm feeling pretty good about. Uh, if you look at the Kings, they've they've gone over six, and, and well, they pushed in one of them. But And that's against the Seattle Kraken, who haven't been an offensive dominant team. I think that they're susceptible this time of year, too. The management might be thinking, okay, we kind of flirted with the edge of playoffs, but now we're kind of out of the picture a little bit. Maybe it's time to start losing a little bit like we were talking about with the other teams. So I think this is an opportunity for uh, the Oilers to kind of start flexing and scoring a bunch of goals on these teams, especially at home that, that they should be beating. So I'm going to just go with this over possibly a play on Edmonton team total over, but got to see what that number is before, before we commit to it. Yeah. And Ed- Edmonton's one of those where like, if you bet against them here, they just destroy them like six. They'll win, yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll win six zip or something yep. stupid yeah, like, every they're, time. They're weirdly good in the regular season at home. Mm-hmm. I once watched them lose four in a row to the Jets in the playoffs, which was insane, but that's a whole nother story. That one hurt. <laughs> that one hurt my soul. Like, four in a row. I just kept doubling down. I was like, there's no way they lose another one of the Jets. Four oh, games. Yeah. And it just <laughs> kept happening. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, dude, this is one of the this is one of the best offenses in the league in the regular season. Couldn't win a game in the playoffs. And the year before that, the COVID year, they got bounced by the Chicago Blackhawks, the 12 seed. It's like, I I don't get it. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Edmonton. That's why they keep changing coaches. They're trying to figure it yeah. out too. I don't know. That's fair. So. Well, I tell you what, PG, it was great having you on again. You've been a frequent guest for a reason, DJ, and I love having you on. Just really quick, any um, any shout-outs, any promotions you want to give to the people before we wrap up? Well, I don't have a ton. I would just say keep an eye on uh, Potato Gobbler Twitter. We're going to have an announcement soon about a new podcast that's going to come out. Uh, don't have all the details yet, but something in the works. I uh, don't know if you'll see not another CFB pod next year. It may be kind of rebranded. Uh, we might be joining forces with someone, so that's the idea anyway. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to the cheapies uh, going through some hard times, but we're, we're, you know, we're a resilient group for a reason. Uh, shout out to the Coda cappers too. love coming on the show, but love coming on everybody's show. I mean, it's, it's just always a good time. Uh, and you guys were awesome. Thanks for waiting an extra hour on me uh, with kind of my schedule restraints, but excited to get this thing going excited for, uh, for the games. This is a pretty solid slate of games that we got locked in here. Final four this weekend is gonna be a lot of fun. So I, I'm just ready to, to to have a good time, sit back and watch some games. I'll wait two hours for you, PG. I'll wait three <laughs> hours for you. I'll do what I got to do to get you on this podcast. Love it. Yes, sir. So once again, PG, really appreciate getting you on. We were glad to do it. Um, DJ, you want to wrap up the show here for us? Yeah. So as always, you can find a bunch of articles on the CodaSportsCappers.com. I know uh, we dabble anywhere from soccer to college basketball to table tennis. And then with baseball starting, as 
I self-proclaimed baseball guru will be trying to get better at the article industry and getting stuff out there. So I have so much knowledge to give, just not enough time to give it. So I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. Uh, and as always, you can follow at Feud Gambling. Me and Kyle post our picks, post content, just gambling, sports-related stuff. Uh, real no no limit on that. It's just random, but it's good. Good follow, worth a follow. PG follows, so that's all you need to know. Um, <laughs> next week, we have a non-typical show. Uh, someone call it atypical. Uh, we're doing our baseball-oriented podcast, so check out that next week we'll break down each division so we'll have about six different shows each about 20 minutes long breaking down each mlb division so if you want some knowledge on baseball teams and all that we'll have an entire breakdown of that we'll bring on alex long we already got him locked in uh, he's also a baseball guru and then we have so many podcasts going on you can find the podcast uh, for the coda sports network at apple podcast or spotify we have the OG podcast, the Mount Lockmore podcast with Pace B. Russ, and sometimes featuring Puma Cakes and Soup. We have my other podcast, the High Inside podcast, which is an X-rated, R-rated, whatever it is, uh, version of kind of this show uh, with myself, Alex Long, and Faye JT. We got the soccer-based Gabacho Baracho podcast with Corey Adair, Don Thomas Miller, and Dan Angel. They, they just know their stuff when it comes to soccer. Like, uh, you got you to gotta follow them, ride them. You know, you don't have to bet a full unit if you don't trust them, but just ride with their plays. These guys they got know a live stream coming too, DJ. Yeah, 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 they got a live stream as well. They're, they're really doing a lot. And, you know, soccer's a growing industry. Soccer's definitely growing. Like, baseball is losing fans. Soccer is gaining fans. Uh, and so we at the Coda Sports Networks are pushing to get soccer on the forefront because it, it is definitely a – skilled and very impressive game and if you understand it it's fun to watch and if you're betting on it it's fun to watch uh and then we have uh the college football central show will be back next year with kyle myself pace bro super dan uh where we'll break stuff down and then we have the remastered or the rebranded not another college football podcast as pg alluded to he doesn't know how it's going to be but he will have some sort of college football show he has too much college football knowledge to not have a show okay he's going to get you some content in some way it might not be called not another cfb podcast but it'll be called something and then we have the throwing bows podcast with vfc uh, this guy, it's a UFC-based podcast, sometimes features the high and inside boys of Alex Long and Faye JT, and basically just gives you bets and breakdowns of fights, and UFC is such a fun sport to bet on and watch. Like, there's nothing better than betting on someone and watching them just knock somebody out. Like, it's, when you step, take a step back, a little messed up, but it's legal, so it's not messed up, and it's awesome to watch, and I, it, I love it. Uh, and then we have the Securing the Bag podcast with the parlay man himself, DG Betts. If you need a parlay during the NFL season, just text DG. I did it every week. I'm like, hey, DJ, what, what parlay you got this week? And I would ride with him. He's he, The dude can hit bets. That's, that's all I got to say. And then we have the new Cash and Tickets uh, podcast with Big Game Hunter. Uh, he is uh, 30 years of gambling experience and new to the network. Uh, so we have a ton of things going on, and this is all going to be presented on the Coda Sports Twitter. So check that out for all of this stuff. And I'm sure you can find something that tailors to whatever you're looking for. We have it covered, um, except for maybe like, I don't even know what we don't have covered. Uh, bare fist tennis. boxing. <laughs> tennis. Yeah, we don't have tennis. If you're a tennis fan, I'm sorry. 
Um, and then we have a ton of social medias here, all of our cappers. We have at Coda Capper Pace, at BRUS35, at Pumba Cakes, at Campbell D. Josh, at Dan Angel, 11 Angle, 11, whatever, uh, at Von Fluchoke, at DJ Corf07, at Don Thomas Miller, at The Legendary, at Potato Gobbler, at DG Betts, uh, at Big Game. Oh, man. Big Game 1501824. We brutal. gotta work on the handle. We gotta yeah, work on the handle. Brutal. He needs That's to change right. that effective immediately. Come on, man. Oh man. And then we have our our Twitters uh, for the Gambling Feud boys. We have mine at DJ Low forty four twenty two. And for fifty one episodes, Kyle, wrap it up. Yes, sir. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Comb Dog. Thank you again for listening. Tune in next week. Again, we got six mini episodes covering every single MLB division, recovering every single team. Be sure to check it out. Have a good week. Peace. Deuces.